Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to today's Saja webcast, your chance to interact with fascinating speakers from across the country and around the world. Please stay tuned for our next session. Hi everyone, I'm Sri Srinivasan, co-founder of Saja, the South Asian Journalist Association, and the Chief Digital Officer of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, calling in from New York to yet another Saja Sama webcast. We're delighted at the South Asian Journalist Association to partner once again with Sama, South Asians in Media, Marketing, and Entertainment, to present our sixth annual blog talk radio conversation about the biggest day in American sports, from a South Asian perspective. I'm joined, as always, by Vijay Setlor, who teaches sports, tourism, and leisure marketing in, at York University. Hi, Vijay. Hi, Shri. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here uh, for another uh, Super Bowl webcast. Yeah, Vijay is at V-I-J-A-Y-S-E-T-L-U-R. And, Vijay, I bet most people know now how to say and spell your first name because of Vijay Singh, right? That has changed in your lifetime. <laughs> it has, it has. Uh, uh, but I guess some people are saying now that I'm uh, kind of famous in my own right, given all the media appearances that I do. So uh, I've taken over the torch, so to speak. <laughs> there we go. That's that's what we want to hear. We're also joined by the two leaders of Saja and Sama. First, let's say hi to Rajan Shah, who's been involved with marketing campaigns with the NFL and the Super Bowl over the past decade. What a great thing you've been able to do, Raj. Thank you for your leadership of Sama. He's a co-founder and one of the leaders in our community. Hi, Raj. Hi, Shri. It's great to be here and uh, join Saja as always on behalf of Sama. Uh, things are changing around the world as South Asians are having such an impact as exhibited by Kevin, Kevin and Aditi on the call today. Uh, we're very excited to have you all. I will just mention that for anyone interested in Sama, they can visit www.samaconference or samasummit.org. Uh, we host a biannual summit at CNN, uh, bringing together South Asians in kind of the media and entertainment and marketing spaces. So hopefully uh, the listeners out there that are in those industries will be uh, joining us at our next conference this fall. Terrific. We, we know we'll want to partner with you once again and do some great stuff together. Thanks, Raj. Your support means a lot. Now let's go to our president of Saja, newly elected president, re-elected president. We have Sharaf Maljud with us. Hi, Sharaf. Hi, Sri. How's it going? Thanks for uh, letting me come on the fifth annual, sixth, actually, Saja uh, Super Bowl blog talk. This is great. Um, always great to be with the Sama, Sama founders and Rajan Shah and hear from Kevin and Aditi and everyone. Uh, please check out Saja at saja.org. See what we're coming up with this year. Give over $60,000 in um, scholarships. And always happy to um, hear this this podcast, this is great. It's one of one of the proud traditions of Saja. And uh, and Sharif is a big Lakers fan. I know he's from LA. What about uh, what are the signs no, of uh, tough, getting an year. LA team it's a out tough there? Year. It's a tough year for us Lakers, <laughs> and <laughs> they don't want to talk about it. Not that Kobe's but what about again. getting a Raider, uh, the Raiders or one of the other teams moving up there? Is there are there talk of that again? There's always talk, but we we never really put our hopes in it because. Ever since I've been in high school, there's been talks about it, but then it always fizzles out. 
And now that I'm in my 30s, most of us just have not much hope that anything can happen. Maybe if the maybe if the Rams move back, but as as most of us who follow the Rams, the Rams have always just been on the road. They've never really left. They've just been traveling. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is what happens if we let him keep talking. He's going to be just starting to cry very shortly over the Lakers <laughs> and the lack of a football team. But, Charles, we're so proud to have you as president of Saja, the first Sri Lankan-American president of Saja. And uh, the, under your leadership, we're now giving away $60,000, as you said, in scholarships, reporting fellowships money, money for internships. Journalism is alive and well. We're teaching our uh, members uh, new skills, and they're teaching us uh, what we want to do, what we should be doing together. And you just had an event around Serial. You know, this is the start of the big podcasting movement, but we've been doing podcasting at Saja and Sama for eight years, and we've had two million listens to our webcast. So if anybody wants to sponsor us, please let us know, saja at columbia.edu. Or email me, Sri at Sri.net, S-R-E-E at S-R-E-E dot net. You can tweet me at Sri, S-R-E-E, and Sharif is at Mawjood, M-O-W-J-O-O-D. Speaking of Twitter, we are now ready to tell you and introduce you to Kevin Nagandi, who's K-Nagandi ESPN, at K-N-E-G-A-N-D-H-I ESPN, and he's ESPN anchor and one of the stars in our community, kids all over the country want to grow up and be Kevin. And uh, Kevin, welcome back to our show. Shri, uh, it's good to be a part of this. I can't believe uh, we're talking about this before the broadcast. This is our sixth year to do this. And each year it feels like we get uh, bigger and better and uh, a better supporting group. So it just shows the progress of of, uh, you know, South Asians when it comes to covering the biggest sporting event in America. I'm not going to say in the world because I know what's coming up in a couple <laughs> weeks <laughs> in Australia. So to be a part of this and to kind of focus uh, specifically on game day about the game, uh, I'm most looking forward to considering the last two weeks and dealing with uh, all the background noise and the controversies or at least – generated controversy surrounding Deflategate and Marshawn Lynch. Well, you're going to lead us on the, in that conversation. I just wanted to make a couple of quick notes. Uh, Kevin is one of multiple anchors at who happen to be South Asian. Adnan Virk, who all of us know, as well as Zubin Mahenti, Anish Shroff, and there are lots of people behind the scenes. And in a future session, we want to uh, highlight people who are not just in front of camera, but behind the camera. But we cannot underestimate the impact that turning on the TV and seeing Kevin, seeing Anish, seeing Adnan has on young people around this country who are not just South Asian, but others as well. And they see that South Asians can do all kinds of things. We should also make a couple of notes. Parag Marathi is the COO of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Sripal Shah rejoined the Redskins as senior VP and chief strategy officer. And of course, the owner of the Jackson's Jacksonville Jaguars is Shad Khan, spelt S-H-A-H-I-D, but pronounced Shad Khan. That's his preferred nickname. He was the subject of a glowing 60 Minutes profile you can find easily online. He and his mustache were profiled very well on 60 Minutes. Uh, let's, let's get and, and Aditi Kinkabwala, who is doing live shots for, for the NFL Network right now. If you turn on your TV, you can see her during this next half hour. She's going to join us in about 20 minutes. She's going to get off the live shot and call us, and we're so delighted to have her again with us. But let's go to Kevin, and Kevin's going to set the stage 
what the Super Bowl means to him, but also what is the game, what are the things we're looking for. And uh, towards the end of the show, we'll get predictions from everybody. But let's go with Kevin first, and then Vijay is going to ask the first question. Uh, there's so much at stake here, um, guys, because yeah, I think many people in the beginning of the season probably would have predicted this Super Bowl. Uh, we have two one seeds, uh, one from the AFC, one from the NFC plan. And um, I think the last 10 years, this, this notion of parity in the NFL, the celebration that, hey, any team can make it and you could believe in your fan base and you could follow your team, that has really separated the NFL from, you know, I think teams and, and leagues um, in Major League Baseball, the NBA, uh, the NHL, because there's this belief that every year there's a team that's not on the radar that can make a playoff run. And I back it up with this this one stat, this compelling stat, that we haven't had a repeat Super Bowl winner in a decade. And the Seahawks can do that on Sunday, which is later on today, and they'd be the first team to do it since the Patriots did it um, back in 2004. So they faced the Patriots. The Patriots had the opportunity to, to join a, a select group of organizations that have won four Super Bowls. And when I mention these organizations, I mean, they're the creme de la creme, the 49ers, the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Giants, the Packers, a, a group that is always looked at uh, when it comes to popularity, when it comes to um, standing above and beyond and representing the shield the right way. Those are the teams that have always been mentioned. And, you know, of course, you know, the Cowboys are America's quote unquote team, but I think any Sunday, everywhere you go, um, you can see more Steelers fans in every single city uh, than I can remember. I mean, I, if I'm in Charlotte or if I'm in Florida, if I'm in LA, if I'm traveling through Dallas to Chicago, coming back to Hartford, New York, I see Steeler fans every Sunday so to put the Patriots uh, in that conversation, if they get this win, and then establish Tom Brady and Bill Belichick as a duo that hands down could be known as the best duo in the history of, of the Super Bowl, uh, there's a lot at stake today. The cool thing is we're going to learn a lot about Tom Brady if we haven't already. Even with his resume at 37, uh, the opportunity to play a defense that could be could be one of the top defenses in the last three decades. And that's what the Seahawks bring to the table. Uh, they've given up only two touchdowns in the second half of the last ten games. And they've only given up one touchdown in the past five games, and that was a touchdown against the Panthers, which really didn't matter in the, in the outcome of that contest. And then when you look at the, the, the Patriots on the other side, you, you have Brady – who hasn't won since the Spygate investigation with Belichick. Um, so they won their first three Super Bowls, then they lost the last two uh, for Giants fans reveling in this conversation. And now, you know, Brady has the opportunity for some type of redemption, also clearing up, you know, the cloud that's surrounding him with Gate and what we've seen the last two weeks. So there is a lot of drama set here. And then you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson we've never seen, uh, making his second appearance in the last three years. We've never seen that from a quarterback in his first three seasons in the NFL. And there's a knock on Russell being too polished, too refined, yet at the same time he is the star's star. He understands when to deflect the teammates. He also understands when to uh, handle things and be a leader in front of the crowd. And he – I, I've had the chance to talk to Russell several times. I talked to him the morning after the Super Bowl last year uh, on SportsCenter, and he just, he's the same guy I met in college. Um, 
just uh, a little more popular. So to see how he's going to handle the adversity, and then you have Richard Sherman, because the last time these two teams met, they met in Seattle, and Sherman Sherman and the Seahawks beat the Patriots. Uh, Brady threw the ball 58 times, and afterwards Sherman was caught saying, you mad, bro, to Brady. And while a lot of people knew Richard Sherman was good, that was one of his coming out moments where he became – pretty popular and noticeable uh, at the cornerback position, which is very tough to do. And, and now we get to see that rematch on the field. So I think when you get through all the hype, the hoopla of two weeks nonstop, who's talking, who isn't talking, uh, you know, deflate gate and the controversy surrounding Marshawn Lynch and what he's saying, the best thing is, is that we have the two best teams on the field after a very long NFL season. And we're going to see, I think a very good game that's going to come down to the final quarter and the final two possessions, and it's going to be a difference of four points. Thanks, uh, Kevin. That's a that's a great scene setting uh, for the game, and uh, I think that uh, a lot of people will have a better sense of what they should storylines they should be looking for. And I love that you had interviewed Russell Wilson recently, and you get to talk to a lot of interesting people. I know Vijay has a question for you, and then we'll also ask. Raj to talk to us about the marketing angles on all of this and how it came to be that he was involved with marketing for the Super Bowl. Yeah, thanks, Ray. Uh, great insight, uh, Kevin. Uh, just a question for you regarding uh, Deflategate and uh, just all of the attention uh, that uh, these teams have been, been generating in this past uh, week in Arizona. How much of that has overshadowed uh, some of the uh, their recent uh, issues and scandals that have uh, plagued the NFL earlier in the season around some of the domestic abuse uh, incidents. Ha- has Deflake had actually been a, a panacea for the league uh, in an indirect kind of way? Yeah, see, he- here's the thing. It's a culmination. So the first week of the season um, with Ray Rice, it started with controversy and the questions surrounding leadership and Roger Goodell. And he was under fire on Friday with the state of the NFL, which he does every year, and whether he can – he can actually become judge and jury. Now, he lost a certain, I would say, a certain point of power, um, but at the same time, he's still backed by the owners here. Now, when you have this week here with Deflategate, and really it's not the controversy surrounding the actual footballs, that game against the Colts. It's really surrounding the Patriots and their history, you know, Spygate coming in, Belichick always a step ahead of the rule makers and understanding what to do. So there's always a question of, do they follow the rules? And then you bring in the element of the relationship that Goodell has with Bob Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, which came into question uh, publicly um, by a player, Richard Sherman, thoughtful Stanford grad, who talked about that last Monday on, well, how are we going to get uh, an objective point of view from our commissioner when he's taking pictures with uh, Robert Kraft, you know, the night before a big football game? So there's, there's a question that has always surrounded Goodell, and, and it continues to surround him. And I think people need to understand that Roger Goodell, as much as he can bring up integrity, as much as he can bring up objectivity, he is employed by the owners. And let's not forget that. He takes the bullets for the owners, he covers for them, and he makes a ton of money for the league, hence his salary, $44 million last year. I'm kind of curious to see what it would be like in 2014 after the controversy. Does he take a pay cut? Because he's the guy that's in front of Mike talking about the shield, the shield, the shield. 
a lot of questions have been, well, who's who's uh, in front of the chain of command here with the NFL when it comes to, you know, the Ray Rice scandal, the investigation? Is this investigator connected uh, to the NFL? Because if he's hired by the NFL, is he objective? Ted Wells is the guy that is doing the investigation uh, in the deflate gates. How is he connected to the NFL and the owners? Because our, our understand this, if something comes out, where the Patriots are guilty of doing something wrong, it will tarnish the Patriots. And hypothetically, if the Patriots win the, their fourth Super Bowl, then suddenly a lot of things become in question. Whoa, what is going on with the league? How is this being played out? So then the, the question is, and it was posed to him on Friday, you, do you have an objectable, obje- objective situation here with the investigators? Um, and And – I'm curious to see what's going to come about this. I think that it's going to still surround Goodell because he was quiet uh, up until the state of the NFL uh, all last week and all of this following week up until Friday about what's surrounding this. And a lot of people think he's hiding right now behind people uh, until the investigation comes out and some clarity comes out on what exactly happened. But this was the perfect storm, guys. The week before the Super Bowl, there's – there's a dead period, and how do you fill that dead period? Then you combine that the Patriots are involved in, a, in a, a controversy. Then you combine Roger Goodell's leadership questions and what's going on behind the NFL. Then you combine a story that basically goes past, you know, football analysts, goes past sports center analysts, goes past the average football fan, and you can bring this on the nightly news where people can all talk about it. That's where the perfect storm came in and why this story would not go away. And the NFL didn't do a good job in putting it away. And then Belichick last Saturday with his science uh, lesson for everybody, that actually, I thought, added more fuel to the fire. So it was the perfect storm the last 13 days leading up to, you know, this football game. I am, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually talking about the game tomorrow. Uh, I made sure – in the middle of the week, we kind of tilted the questions, and I think our producers also did a great job. Of, hey, let's just let's focus on the matchup instead of the controversy because the controversy is not going to be settled this week. Um, let's focus on the X's and O's, who's going to win and why, and we'll continue to do that tomorrow. And, and I want to remind our audience that uh, tomorrow morning uh, on SportsCenter at 9 a.m. we'll have the uh, – the star of the Super Bowl uh, with me uh, with an interview. So whoever that may be, he'll be with us uh, tomorrow uh, on SportsCenter and ESPN. That's terrific. Thank you, and uh, great plug for your show. Always be plugging the show, right? Uh, marketing <laughs> is so important these days. You can't just have great work. You've actually got to tell people about it. Let's bring in Raj Shah, one of the great experts on marketing and how he's been working with the NFL and Super Bowl to talk about some of the marketing aspects. Raj? Well, shoot, uh, thanks uh, for the handoff. But before even getting to that part, I, I wanted to uh, just comment on two things that uh, Kevin mentioned and then uh, uh, throw a question back to him. You know, Kevin, your point about how a lot of the controversy around uh, the game has kind of gone beyond what we would call inside inside football. You know, you have everyday um you know, fans uh, really getting involved in a lot of these issues, not just the ones we're talking about on the field, but uh, issues around domestic violence this year, which we know is going to be addressed by the uh, by the league on television. 
but yet we have 100 million people viewing the Super Bowl. It has now gone beyond just being a game. It's become one of the world's biggest marketing platforms. It has now become one of the biggest events in American sports. Uh, do you sense uh, any really material impact on the sport itself, uh, you know, over the past 10 years and kind of going forward? Uh, do you just see it to continue to grow? Um, on one hand, we talk about all these issues, but yet we see people tuning in and loving the sport and loving the game and loving the teams. Uh, that's a great point because that, that, that is the real question. And I think that's the reason why people can say maybe that's why Roger Goodell still has his job. Bottom line, where's the revenue? If it's still coming in, everything's yeah. okay. And the NFL has been measured that way. And, and that there is a question. I mean, Paul Tagliabue, uh, the former commissioner, actually questioned Goodell uh, recently in a GQ article saying, where, where, is, where is this commissioner on, you know, alliances and relationships instead of just searching for the bottom line, which is the dollar? And and you're going to see, I, I think with this matchup, with the controversy, you're going to see a number for the Super Bowl that's going to be number one ever uh, when it comes to ratings because it's now no longer about a game. It's about an event. Uh, it's about the commercials. It's about the halftime show. It's about who's making the headlines, not so much who's making the plays. And that benefits the NFL right now. Uh, but I think long-term growth, I think there is growth, but there's also a fear, uh, and, it's, and it, it, it's a decade away, and that is the grassroots level right now on mothers allowing yeah. their kids to play football. And I know for a fact my wife, who loves football, Florida Gator, SEC fan, talks about football Saturday and Sunday all the time, has already told me, and we've had to talk, that, hey, our kids aren't playing football because of the – uh, you know, the questions that surround concussions and head injuries. And I completely I, – I used to play football when I was six, seven, eight years old, Pop Warner, um, and with helmets and tackle football. And now I, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with her that I would be – I would take pause until my son's 14, 15 years old so he can suit up in pads and wear a helmet. Flag football, fine. But tackle football, uh, it's the question of the growth uh, of the brain. And, and I think that's where we're going to have a problem in 10 – Ten years, who are going to be the stars to carry the NFL to the next generation? Because the quality of play, I think, will be different. The way the games are judged will be different. Um, and that's, that's a big question. I think right now the NFL is peaking. They're fully aware that they're peaking. There is a fear in, in New York and the offices of how, we, how are we going to sustain this in the next 10 to 15 years? I also think you, you've seen a target on how commercials – are generated towards mothers. Uh, I mean, there's a, a great commercial, and when I say great, that that drew a lot of interest on a, on a mom and her five kids on how they pick different teams and they all combine and they go to NFL shop and they get all these different jerseys. And it's all leading up during the holiday season. And I just thought that was compelling that the target audience really was, it was a mom to a mom. And that's what the NFL they know their audience right now and making sure this league is secure in 10 to 15 years with talent is to the mothers to allow their kids to play the game uh, in the high school level to get to the college level. So right now, Roger, I think we're going to have a phenomenal number tonight. Um, a lot of it too is because we, we do have a clear cut America versus the Patriots outside the Northeast or at least the new England area. So they want to see that. There's a lot of people that, that dislike the Seahawks 
um, because they're not crazy about how Richard Sherman approaches things. I, I completely disagree. I think Richard Sherman's a great ambassador to the league and a great ambassador for the Players Association. But when you have those, those lines built in, it draws interest so people will watch. So tonight's number is going to be great, but we'll see how this kind of wavers through the next five to ten years on support. There also is another thing. What's the league that's going to give the NFL competition? Because the NFL has realized that they are a 12-month sport. Right after this, guys, we go into free agency. Right after that, we get ready for the draft. Right after that, we're in mini camp. Right after that, we're in you know, summer, uh, summer camp. And then the NFL season. So the NFL has figured out a great way to make this a 12-month sport, while these other sports go 9 to 10 months and they have a break. Well, that, that's a, those are, I mean, there's so much in there, but there's so many great points there. You know, going back to the, um, you know, how people are viewing the long-term potential for the NFL, um, you know, do you feel like the, uh, that ESPN kind of has a, I mean, have you been finding that your viewership has been growing and broadening as the, uh, the attraction of the sport continues to grow, again, in the face of a lot of these issues, or are you finding that, um, you know, things are starting to tail off and kind of reaching a uh, plateau, if you will. No, it's a cash cow. Uh, and I think every network will say that because I think, listen, a lot of people want to go to the Super Bowl. They'll spend tens of thousands of dollars for the experience, but you're not really watching a game. You don't have great seats. Uh, a lot of it's corporate on the bottom bowl. I've been to a couple Super Bowls and I've said, uh, I, don't, I don't plan on going to another Super Bowl because you want to know why? I'd rather sit in the comfort of my home down in my basement, the man cave, with my own bar, my own bathroom. I can get up and go and do whatever I want with friends around me. The NFL experience that you've seen, the best thing about the NFL is it's a TV experience. The game, going to a game is great, but you're seeing a lot more people decide, I'm going to stay home, have a home theater downstairs, and really enjoy this instead of spending 11 bucks for watered-down beer that's you're going to get – buy 12 ounces and really get nine ounces after they top it off with foam or go, you know, stand in line for 25 minutes to get to the bathroom, which, which reeks that experience of going to the stadium. It's, it's not as great as it was because the home experience is even better. And look at, look at the birth red zone on your table. Um, it, Red Zone to me is one of the great inventions now where it gives you the opportunity to watch any single game around the league if they have a chance to score a touchdown. So you never need to get up. Um, I think the, the popularity of the sport also benefits to a fantasy football, and that's where you get Red Zone. That's where you get people at, you know, um, at home instead of going to a game. Here's another thing, Rach, just, just to show you the effect and the power of television. There's an app. I'm sure you're aware of it. I'm letting our audience know. There's an app now that you can go to the Super Bowl game and then on your app during the breaks watch the commercials in the stadium on your phone. So it gives you an idea of that TV experience <laughs> that the NFL is master. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're finding that half the people at the Super Bowl viewing parties nowadays are not just there to watch the game but are – Half of them are looking to just enjoy the halftime show, which has obviously grown in its marketing power uh, with companies spending, you know, upwards of five, ten, fifteen million dollars to tie to the uh, halftime show. But the advertising itself, 
uh, has uh, become almost as valuable uh, for the viewing experience as the game itself. I know there a lot of people are saying, which party do I want to go to, one with uh, football fans or ones where everyone's just socializing? And uh, I think one of the things that has happened, Shri and Kevin and everybody on the call from a marketing perspective is, you know, over the past 10 years, we've kind of seen not only an appreciation in the value of the airtime for all the reasons that, Kevin, you were mentioning in terms of it becoming now uh, you almost must see television. But for a lot of marketers, uh, it has also become one of their primary sales periods, especially in the consumer product space. There was a time when so many retailers would focus in on Christmas or Halloween or Thanksgiving, but now the Cokes and the Pepsis of the world, as an example, are actually focusing on the week leading up to the Super Bowl, and Super Bowl is now ranked in their top three most important selling seasons. Same thing with companies like Samsung, where they're just blowing out television and electronic equipment. So the game has kind of evolved to no longer just being a game, but really being a true kind of community experience. Um, The other thing and trend and thought that, again, Kevin ties to much of what you were mentioning about moms is that in today's landscape, if you look at a lot of content uh, on television, there's very few opportunities where a family can watch television uh, together. So what the the Super Bowl has also done is created a multi-generational opportunity where uh, you know, dads, moms, and their kids can all get together as a family and kind of enjoy something on television uh, for a change together. And I think that's been also uh, one of the big impacts that we've been seeing. Um, you know, one of the questions I have for everybody on the call, you know, Shri, I know you're a fan, and obviously, Vijay, you are, and uh, is the uh, there is a growing concern around the corporatization of the Super Bowl and do you find from an industry perspective, Kevin, and then Vijay, would you see um, uh, a concern about that uh, and that, uh, you know, we're kind of getting away from the, the ethos of the game and really focus too much on kind of big money, uh, which obviously is pervading everything, not just the, the pervasiveness of the advertising, but the, the infrastructure of the league? you know, and how they make decisions. Sure. This, sorry, Raj, great question. Before everybody answers, I just want to remind everyone you're listening to the last 30 minutes of our conversation on Super Bowl Sunday with Saja and Sama. We are having a wonderful opportunity for us to hear from leaders in our community talking about a quintessential American day. We're waiting for Aditi Kinkabwala from the NFL Network. She's, uh, she's on the air Uh, doing live shots now, but when she's off, she's going to join us in the next couple of minutes. So I I do want everyone to get a chance to answer Raj's question, and then we'll bring Aditi as soon as she checks in. And uh, anyone listening live, if you'd like to ask a question, just hit one on your dial pad, and we'll come to you. Uh, Or you can email us questions, three at three.net, S-R-E-E at S-R-E-E.net, or hit us up at at three or at Saja HQ. Over to Vijay. Yeah, thanks, Sri. Uh, I guess uh, it, it's a situation where, given the power of the NFL uh, as uh, as the most uh, dominant sports league, not only in, in the United States but also in the world, it, it's natural that uh, corporations uh, would be uh, involved in a big way with the league, and they've been big drivers of the league's ability to generate as much revenue as it does per year, which is around uh, nine to ten billion. 
dollars and uh with the with the league's desire to grow its revenue uh to uh, 25 billion by 2027 uh, we'll see even more of this corporatization going on and also more partnerships with different types of uh, organizations in, in different industry sectors in order to achieve that goal. But on that note, though, it is it is a bit of a concern, but at the same time, uh, it's what uh, makes the, the league as powerful as it is, and it's what continues to to uh, drive ratings. It, it's what continues to drive interest, especially among the fans. And, and at the same time, there are fans uh, who could potentially be turned off by this corporatization, if you will. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Canadian Football League, and up here uh, a couple years ago in 2012, we had our 100th Grey Cup in Toronto, and out of the 50,000-plus that are at the game, primarily uh, fans attending the game. And that's one thing I appreciate about our league is the fact that it's not corporate-heavy. It's based on the fans, based on a patriotism for a, a country uh, that has produced uh, its own great brand of football. So it, it's it's a nice contrast to what we see down Reason in the United States. They just States. want to all be Americans, don't they? <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean that's that's one thing. So even though the NFL may be uh, heavily corporate, at least there's always an alternative north of the border uh, for those seeking a, a pure football experience. Well, and I want to I want to say one thing that's the dynamic of of where we are in society today, too, guys. Let's face it. We are a reality TV generation that we're encountering that, that corporations target, too. Um, sports is the best reality TV, and that's why major networks pay major dollars for programming. To fill up two to three hours, you're going to get commercial time, you're going to be able to spend that money, and you're going to get sponsorship because people love reality TV. Everything's unscripted in sports. And the one thing the NFL has, especially this Sunday, and Raj brought it up how you have that family time, you can bring everybody together. It has a championship decided in one game. So when you go to the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, it's a seven-game series, right, guys? Here. Have one point. specific game, and you're like, there's no doubt about it. We're going to find a winner this three-hour window. And that's why the Super Bowl is king on this specific day, because there's nothing else going on in this day. Everybody knows. It's like all the leagues bow down and say, this is your showcase. We understand, because no one's going to be watching what we're trying to do. And that dynamic is perfect in this reality TV age and era that we're in, and that's why corporations, like like Rod brought up, instead of targeting a holiday, they target sporting events, uh, because they know that the audience will be there no matter what. All right, folks, we're very excited now to bring in Aditi Kinkabwala reporting live from Phoenix or wherever this is outside of Phoenix. Aditi uh, is reported NFL Network and NFL.com. When she first joined us on the air a few years ago, she was a Wall Street Journal reporter during the Dallas Super Bowl, I remember. Her uh, her Twitter handle is A-Kinkabwala, K-I-N-K-H-A-B-W-A-L-A, and I love her Twitter bio. It says, likes drinks neat, Springsteen loud, and goldfish crackers everywhere. Hi, <laughs> Good morning. How are you? There hasn't been a goldfish cracker anywhere this week. Her last photograph that she just put on Twitter, if you go check it out, 
she I just retweeted it so if you if you have trouble finding her you can find me at at three she says uh, about four hours ago she's already been up she says no one's up and around at the Seahawks hotel think these are edible and I think there's some kind of tree that she found she put, took a picture of they might have been oranges three but I didn't eat any so I'm still here for you don't worry thank you tell us what you just did for the last couple of hours We have had live shots all morning from the Seahawks team hotel, and now I'm about to head over to the stadium, and we're just ready for this game. I don't know. In most years, I enjoy the buildup a lot, but this week it feels as if we've talked a lot about the same somewhat stale things. I'm I'm ready for kickoff, frankly. I'm going to have Sharif ask you a question in a minute for, as, a, as our journalist association leader here from NBC News. But what I want to ask you is, what is the mood like in the city, uh, the kind of craziness around it? Last year was here in New York. I was part of the social media advisory board with the Super Bowl, and I got to taste a little bit of it, but nothing like the access you have. What is the mood like there? It definitely feels more like a Super Bowl because things are a bit more centrally located. It's not as good as, let's say, Indianapolis, where everything is in exactly the same place because there are still quite a few things that are out in Scottsdale or out in Glendale, which are a bit of a haul. But we're staying right in the heart of downtown Super Bowl Central is out my window. The free stage is about two blocks away. The convention center where NFL Experience and Radio Row are about a block and a half away. And it's rained here, Sri, the last few days. The people are everywhere. In fact, I couldn't get lunch. I couldn't even get a goldfish cracker yesterday because there were so many people here. It's nice. It's nice to see the city so wrapped up in something despite the unpleasant weather. Um, And my husband, actually, who's here just told me that tickets are still absolutely absurd, that tickets for the game are going for $10,000 and there's a tailgate party before the game. He said those tickets are $1,000 just to hang out outside the game in a certain location. So there's obviously a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement about this matchup, about these two number one teams. Sharif, I know you heard that. You're getting ready to just fly out there and buy a ticket. But tell us uh, a question you have for (laughs) Well, Sharaf, I saw I saw Brian Williams last night, so he should be able to help you out. He yeah, was at Brian, the NFL I'm Honors. He was a presenter. You should give him a buzz and say, hey, yeah, you let him know. Hey, for how, me. Come, how come you didn't bring me, man? Right. <laughs> I think he might have needed a little producing, you know? Saying yeah, the Hall of Fame uh, winners isn't the easiest thing. I don't know how he did that solo. I know. Why did you say that Sharaf has 60 grand in scholarship funds? You better protect that, Shri. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> It'll be a tailgating party. That's what's going to happen. Um, it'll be great, great to talk to you again. Um, my question for you, from a from a journalist point of view, is when you when you're at the game, do you get to enjoy the game, or are you covering it like any other game, trying to find the story? trying to talk to the train, or what, if anything happens, are you just there, or you, do you get to kind of sit back a little bit and enjoy the moment? Or you know, it's so just funny. another game? I'll tell you that this has really, really changed from the time that I was a writer to moving to television. When you, or when I at least, was writing on deadline, of course I love a great game. Of course I love the energy and the pageantry of a great game. 
Um, but when you're writing, you're worried about being on deadline, especially for a night game. And you're thinking about your copy and how many words you have, and you're writing a running, which for those of us that I, I'm assuming all journalists listen, but for those that don't understand, sometimes you have to just write as the game goes, file the minute the game is over, then you go and get quotes and try to rewrite. So that always is a little bit stressful. And in a close game, late at night, close to deadlines, you do definitely miss some details because you're writing. As a television journalist, I'm not on that same sort of deadline, so I'm appreciating the game a lot more. I really have no excuse to not pay attention. Now, in the last few years, things have changed a bit. Our expectations at NFL Media Group for the NFL Network are that we do have to tweet and things like that. So sometimes, you know, you're doing other things, but it's not quite as taxing as sitting and putting together a lead when you don't know the end of a game or writing paragraphs. And it's hard not to enjoy this. You know, it's it's a very, very, very long season with a lot of nights on the road. This week for me was a lot of absurdly earning mornings. I think, Sharaf, that the nightly news is a better career goal than the morning news <laughs> after <laughs> the week that I had. Um, but I do, I, it, it is, you, you have to get excited. You can't not. I, I don't know how you do this if you don't get excited for something like this. Folks, a reminder, we're in the last 20 minutes or so of our webcast, and if you have a question for Aditi, or for Kevin or any of our speakers, just hit one on your dial pad. We're getting some comments via Twitter. Let me just read one of them here. Somebody responded to you, Aditi, about whether those oranges or whatever they are are editable. Are edible? Sorry, not editable. Uh, <laughs> Joshua Decker says uh, they may be edible, but they are not particularly tasty. So I'm glad you didn't eat them. Uh, let, let's <laughs> that also. One of the questions that has come up uh, is to talk to ask you a little bit about being a sports writer, sports journalist. Not many women who are South Asian of South Asian origin are in your field or your part of the field anyway. Uh, talk a little bit about that and what is what are some of the hard things you've had to um, uh, overcome in order to be able to do this. Uh, not that the life of Kevin Agandhi, which is wonderful now, was always smooth, right, Kevin? But, uh, uh, but I, I'm sure it was harder as a person of color who is, happens to be a woman. Well, I'll tell you that I, I don't think being a woman was being such a minority group as it was when I first started that I didn't think so much about the Indian part of it. But... At the risk of really embarrassing Kevin, I'll tell you that when Kevin first got the job, when SportsCenter created that 9 a.m. show and Kevin got that job as a lead anchor, everything sort of changed for me, Kevin. I just felt like, oh, my gosh, that's one of us. Things are really possible for us. And then every time I see a man of Indian descent on ESPN, whether it's Anish Shroff or Adnan Burke, actually, I don't even know if they're Indian, but I'm assuming that they're South Asian. Um yes. I get really excited, and it's just, it it makes me feel, you know, especially in sports journalism, it's funny, Siri, because I just talked about this with my dad um, yesterday, I think. When you watch local news, there are people that have all different faces, all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities on the local news. But in sports television right now, we still look somewhat homogenous, and even more than the female thing now, whereas in the beginning I was conscious as a writer of the female thing, now on television I am more conscious of the Asian thing. And so whereas I'm not really looking at women who look like me 
because quite frankly, in sports national television, I don't think there's really any woman who looks like me. Um, I look at the men who look like me. And again, not to embarrass you, Kevin, but you are a model. You're, you to me, are this can happen, and this isn't oh. something that holds you back. Aditi, first off, uh, I'm I'm flattered that you would say that because honestly, when when you pop up on the NFL Network, I know they're quasi rivals considering how much NFL coverage ESPN does. I get I get really proud, proud like a peacock because I'm like, all right, Aww. and you know, and, and even bigger because Aditi brought that up. There is no comparison. Aditi is breaking ground for female South Asians covering sports because we don't see anybody. I mean, we've seen in the local level. We've seen a little bit on the national level, but we've never seen what Aditi does on the network level when it comes to covering sports. And she's done a great job carrying that torch and, and opening doors for the next generation that says, I don't need to be blonde. I don't need to be a brunette. I can actually do this. I don't need to be African-American. I can, I can be South Asian. I can cover sports, and I could be on a network if I'm good. And Aditi does all of that. But, and, you know, to be perfectly fair, Sri, and Kevin, I obviously appreciate that, but I'm very embarrassed, so I'm moving on. <laughs> we don't, in, sport, in sports television, we don't really see, uh, we don't see a lot of Asian faces amongst women. We don't see a lot of Asian women. We don't see a lot of Hispanic women. Kevin's right. Right now, or up until now, the look has been um, very homogenous, so... I don't know if that's because there hasn't been as much interest and there aren't as many good candidates, but I have difficulty believing that. And so hopefully we're making a change. Hopefully we're breaking through and we will see a little bit more diversity in those faces in these next few years. Because when you go out, when I walk outside my hotel and I see these fans, I see Seahawks fans, I see Patriots fans, I'll tell you they come in every shape and size and every ethnicity. (laughs) I've seen plenty of Indian people outside the door doing some crazy cheering. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. And this is where I was saying that, you know, Saja can be helpful. So if if you are listening to this now and you have a young lady in your life, a, a young girl, a young lady who would like to join sports and sportscasting, uh, we have the support group to help, not just folks like Kevin and Aditi, but lots of people who would be delighted to participate in conversations, webcasts, uh, mentoring at our gala dinners. Every time we've asked Aditi or Kevin or any of these people to step up and help, they've they've done gone above and beyond. So this is not like the lonely road that Kevin and others had to do by themselves, go on by themselves. Now it's really open, and I think that's very, very special and important to us. But I would be wrong to let the moment pass without acknowledging the role of Stuart Scott in all of this, the late, great Stuart Scott, who died so young, so recently. His going on TV and speaking in a vernacular, casual way opened the doors for all of us to, see, to look at television in a new way. And I don't think there would be a Kevin Nagandi without a Stuart Scott. Kevin? Sure. Uh, I completely agree. And, and I'm so glad you, you would bring up Stuart in this conversation because it, it is so true. Um, mentioning him as a trailblazer would, would not even do him justice considering the impact he has made. And we, we found that out. I think I think the after week after, you know, Stewart's passing, we found we really took a step back, a lot of us, and said, Holy cow, 
we we get stuck in this this sports bubble, this TV bubble, and we forget how how many people watch us and connect with us and think that we're part of their you know family because of their daily routine. And Stewart Stewart's definitely uh, a guy that that is on a, the Mount Rushmore of opening doors for anybody of color because he was just himself. I can go on TV now and. And people know that I'm from Temple University. A big reason why is because Stewart was never shy about his allegiance to North Carolina. And, you know, I, I find that funny because we're taught in this business to be objective. We are, but the more you reveal about yourself, the more connection you're going to have when talking about sports. Um, because in, in reality, people watch sports for an outlet, for entertainment, kind of get away, and Stewart provided that opportunity for people to get away and enjoy what they were watching. And uh, I was just I was very lucky and blessed to work with him, uh, lucky and blessed to be a part of some good shows, fun shows, and, and watch him work and then learn from him and also be a part of a commercial. And um, the impact that he, that he has made, uh, I mean, we feel it in our generation, but the next generation, uh, it, it continues to trickle down. And uh, God bless his two daughters, his family as well. They, they've been fantastic throughout this whole process. And, you know, you stay young, uh, it's, it's hard to believe at 49 um, that he's no longer with us. And I remember him uh, at, uh, at a, a Unity convention, uh, I think it was in Chicago, and uh, I was standing in line, and there was Stuart Scott just standing in line like the rest of us. He could have easily cut to the front of the line to – get the registration, but That's people so kept sure. coming up to him for, for photographs uh, instead of uh, letting him be, and he posed for every picture. And this is before the selfie movement took off, but I regret not getting a selfie with him that day. Uh, let's go to Vijay. Uh, Vijay, you have Aditi on the phone. And Kevin, you have questions from, from your angle uh, looking at the marketing side. Uh, yeah, thanks, Vijay, uh, Aditi. Uh, just uh, when you look at... Uh, uh, a lot of the companies and brands that are active uh, around the Super Bowl. Uh, what are some of the brands that have sort of caught your attention in terms of their their creativity and and their and their initiatives to make a big splash and and to really announce their their presence uh, at the at the game? Well, right outside my window is a big uh, block of Tostitos partying, and I will tell you this: anything free will stick in somebody's mind. And Tostitos, <laughs> right in the middle of this big um, block of craziness, has been handing out these uh, small, I don't even know what to call them. They're almost like low, open lunch boxes. And it's a warmed-up Tostitos cheese. They, take the, they warm up the cheese and they take it off. And these new uh, rolls, I don't, you know what? I have a bag of them in my room, so I can tell you because I've walked by there several times. Tostitos rolls, so they're basically rolled up chips. And when you're walking around to have a little snack, I can't, BJ, you know, know better than me how much that costs, but everywhere I go, people are eating Tostitos, and you're hearing these people say, oh, this cheese sauce is a lot better than Velveeta. And, I mean, it's been free, so of course you're going to take it if it's free. So I have to say that I'm very impressed by that. But you see the signage. You see the big Pepsi signage. You see Bridgestone, all of that, but... Um, whenever you hand something out, I think it sticks with people. It really does. Well, I have – this is Raj. It's nice to meet you via this webcast. Nice. Uh, 
Uh, Vijay, I was going to just interject to say that uh, what a great segue or ironic or serendipitous segue that you're making because it's a testament to the comments we're making about South Asians' impact in sports, uh, not just in front of the camera, <laughs> but I like behind. something free. <laughs> yeah, well, no, well, that, that, that too. <laughs> but the, the head of marketing, uh, the CMO of Frito-Lay that was responsible for initiating Frito-Lay's uh, association with the NFL over six years ago, starting off with the Doritos Super Bowl, which was one of the very first significant uh, ad campaigns that involved users who generated and created the, the TV spot for the Super Bowl was an Indian woman named Ann Mukherjee, who has been feted oh. by Sama and is a very active Sama uh, executive member. But she was the chief marketing officer that helped get those Tostitos into your hands. So <laughs> she How about was. That? Uh, she was planning on joining us today for a few minutes, but unfortunately, because of her new role, where she's now serving as president of Frito-Lay Worldwide uh, and Pepsi Foods, um, was unable to join. But I will also add, for the benefit of all those that are joining that are on the marketing and media side, um, the business side, Ram Krishnan was just elevated and made chief marketing officer and SVP for Frito-Lay. So the top two leaders at the company – uh, are both South Asian and were very instrumental in kind of a lot of what you're seeing at halftime and with uh, Frito-Lay snacks uh, throughout the, the, the Super Bowl. So another example of kind of the breadth and reach of uh, South Asians in the space and sports. Uh, but I was just going to add, uh, Abidi, with you joining the call, part of one of the themes that we were talking about earlier before you joined with Kevin from a marketing perspective is just the sheer depth and breadth of um, uh, the connection of NFL and football to women, not just from a journalism perspective, but also more women are watching the NFL. Uh, there's concerns at the NFL long-term about the impact of, of playing football as a child and, and uh, NFL's concerns about, hey, uh, our mom's going to be pulling their kids out of that sport. Um, what's that going to mean for the franchise? And then obviously, um, you know, a lot of the issues and controversies this year uh, off of the field around domestic violence. And I know this year uh, the Super, uh, the NFL for the very first time is going to be taking a 30-second spot worth over $2.3 million, upwards to $4 million, depending on the pod you're in, and they're going to be doing a spot around kind of domestic violence um, and a PSA announcement. Can you just talk to, as a woman, as a South Asian woman, so intricately and closely involved in the sport, and then, Kevin, obviously yourself with your wife being involved with football and being a fan, can you guys comment on kind of um, you know, your thoughts on what has happened over the last year, uh, not just women in sports beyond journalism, but also the impact on women from uh, as it relates to the domestic violence issue and the TV spot everyone's very anxious to see live. I know it's been already floating around uh, on the web. Uh, but love uh, thanks, Raj. I uh, just want to remind everyone that's a great question. We're going to go to Aditi and then Kevin. Uh, we're just looking at the time. We're five minutes left, and I want to really explore this issue at length. So here's what we're going to do. Um, please answer the question. Take as much time as you like. We will go off the live air at noon, but the entire thing will be recorded and stored and available forever. So, um, so do take your time, and I would love to hear from each of you the answer to that. And then we'll do a final round of closing thoughts from everybody. Uh, so let's start with Aditi on this topic. I hate to sound like a... Pollyanna here because I do ultimately work for the NFL at large. But I will say this, all, all the things that happened this season 
seem to have affected some sort of change. Some some very smart women, very very bright women who don't need a job at the NFL, have taken positions at the NFL and already, I've been told, are having a lot of influence in the way the league views the way women are treated. We are talking about domestic violence. We are talking about what is child discipline versus child abuse. This has become, this is the power of the NFL, that these have become conversations that cross over out of sport and into society and you mentioned the PSA, those aren't bad things. What caused this is not great. But the fact that we are broadening our conversations and that we are finding more spaces for women, I will always argue that we're not going to see change until the executives, until the decision makers also change their demographic. These are good things. I want to see more women involved because, you know what, the big difficulty, and this is where we come to the sports journalism part, is I think that as a female fan and then as a young female journalist, I I understood the game, but I often felt very talked down to. I felt that I wasn't um, engaged in the first place. And women do, not always, Women like what men like, of course, but women sometimes are drawn to different parts of the game, to different stories that we don't necessarily tell as much because there aren't women telling the stories. There aren't women making the decisions. They're not editors. They're not producers saying this is what should lead our programming right now or this is something that deserves two and a half minutes of our time, not just yet another breakdown of what the Legion of Boom can do against Tom Brady. So, these are good things. Change is always a good thing. And I do feel there's a lot of progress. I'll leave you with one thing. Last night at the NFL Honors Program where all the annual awards were handed out, Thomas Davis was awarded the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And this we saw an absolutely moving video story of his life, his life when he was a young boy and how little money they had and how personal it is now when he gives children Christmas gifts because he never had them. And he got up on the stage and he talked about the honor it was to be the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And he said, you know what? We spend so much time bashing our league. Why don't we stand up and show them, show the world that there are really good things in our league too? I'm getting emotional now because this poor kid that grew up in these awful houses. And this is how he looks at the power of what this league and this platform can do. We just have to tell the stories better. I think Aditi, you, Aditi. Makes, she makes a great point in telling stories better. And what's sad and what is great uh, about the Ray Rice story is that it, it has brought this to the forefront. What's sad is it, we needed something like this to come up for this to be discussed and addressed. Uh, I'm, I'm taking a cautious approach about the NFL when it comes to domestic violence because, you know, we were told – several months ago that a new policy would be revealed right around the Super Bowl. And here we are Super Bowl week, and we still don't know how the NFL is going to address it. Um, I mean, just recently, uh, I think Friday when the commissioner, you know, had his state of the NFL, um, a Connecticut Senator uh, Blumenthal wrote a letter to, to the NFL and just questioned the support of the money allocated to, 
for domestic violence awareness and providing shelter and counseling and education and, and question why the NFL is only going to commit $5 million when they're committing $10 million a year just on the Super Bowl halftime show. And let's not forget, you know, Congress is going to play a role in this because of the NFL's nonprofit status. Um, so the government is watching how the NFL is handling this because of their nonprofit status. So I, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach about the NFL and how they're handling domestic violence because I also think, too, there's a value that comes to this. We have seen players questioned uh, with issues with the law, and then the question is how valuable they are to their team on whether they're going to get a lengthy suspension. So I, I'm, I'm going to watch how the NFL handles this and what kind of policy they're going to have, and then – God forbid we have an incident, how the team specifically and how the league will handle it. Because I think, I think if we see something similar to Ray Rice uh, in the next year, I have a feeling that player will not be playing football probably for the rest of his career in the NFL. Well, and if I could just interject really quickly, we will know, Kevin, that we have made progress if by something by, like Ray Rice you mean a report of it, not just a video of it. We need, there were plenty of incidences of domestic violence in the NFL. There are every year, and we do nothing. It was that video that led to such a visceral reaction. Exactly. And I hope in the future we don't need a video. Exactly. From, from two games to the lengthy, indefinite suspension, what was the difference? The difference was the public saw the video. Uh, the question is, who else saw the video? That's for another time and another discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, folks, we're we're running out of time here, but yeah. Sorry. What I'd love to do is to just go around the room, around the horn, uh, one of my favorite shows, and just have uh, each of you give us your final thoughts for the day. But we're going to start with Aditi because she's on. She's working this morning, and we also want her to tell us when and where we can watch her uh, after the Super Bowl uh, tonight, and also like what are her plans for like what does she do the rest of the year, and then with that we'll. Uh, and then we'll go around the room. So let's start first with Aditi, and then she can say goodbye and leave us. Well, I'm hoping for a very close game. Unfortunately, when we've had one versus one, it doesn't always work out that way. But I think this one's a real toss-up, and I'm excited to see the Seahawks' defense for sure. Um, Tonight, I don't know if I will be on after the game. It all sort of depends on what happens. If the Seahawks win, you'll see me tomorrow morning on – NFL Network somewhere. I don't know where. We just have lots of programming. <laughs> and after that, I hope I can have a few days to sleep, maybe two or three, get back to feeling a little less like a zombie, and then I'll be off to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. The NFL has become a 12-month season. It's no longer there's yeah. no longer an off-season, as Kevin can attest to. Yeah. And no can I just get that. your opinion on this, Aditi, before you go? Uh, yeah, we we, we need a Sam, call here. Will Michael Sam ever play in the Will Michael Sam ever play in this uh, in the NFL? That's such a tough one. I I don't want to. He's a tweener, and there are plenty of tweeners in the NFL. And there is a new type of combine this year for veteran players, and I think there is a spot for him. I I would like to believe there is a spot for him. I believe it would be so important for the NFL to make that happen. And I give, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I acknowledge the role that Jeff Fisher played in at least giving him a shot. It was very important 
that uh, they did that. And now let's see how we go forward with that. Aditi Kinkabala, thank you so much. He's A. Kinkabala on Twitter and all over the NFL network. Even she doesn't know when and where she appears. Thanks very much, Aditi. (laughs) Aditi, keep making us proud. Thank you. Thanks very much. Uh, Bye-bye, Aditi. Let's now say goodbye to Kevin Nagandi. Kevin, uh, thank you so much for your insight and your leadership of all of us. Uh, we are so proud of you, as we are of Aditi and uh, the others on the NF- on ESPN. Uh, your final thoughts for the day and who you got. Uh, so my final thoughts is I- I'm expecting, because this is I'm always going to be the eternal sports optimist and also it helps when it's delivering highlights. I'm expecting a close game, and I think it's going to come down to the final possession or two. And I-, and I give the Seahawks the edge. I think the Seahawks will win by four. Uh, I think what will stand out is the physicality of the uh, Seahawks defense. And as you can hear, uh, my two-year-old's in the background demanding my attention. He's been quite good, and my <laughs> wife has been great juggling the 10-month-old and two-year-old. So it's been a pleasure being a part of this, guys. I will add one other thing. Aditi said she would be on in the morning on NFL Network. Well, if you get bored of that, check out SportsCenter. Yes, <laughs> 9 Eastern. Um, and he will be with the star of the Super Bowl, and I will have an interview with him like I did with Russell Wilson last year. So looking forward to it, and thank you guys. And Shree, thank you so much for everything you have done for every single South Asian journalist. You have paved the way for us. Oh, thank you. Will you send us a photograph of you prepping the show and with the star? Will you send that to us so we can Absolutely. tweet it out from Saga? We're taping it. We're taping him right after GMA at uh, around seven fifteen. So I will have it out to you on Twitter. Perfect. Thank you very much, folks. That was Kevin Nagandi. He's K Nagandi ESPN on Twitter. Please follow him. Let's now go to Rajan Shah, who is going to say goodbye, and uh, he is our. Co- a partner in crime on everything Saja and Sama do together. We got to do the Oscar show next, Raj. That's right. We'll have to track uh, people as uh, strong as uh, Kevin and Aditi to join us on that one. But uh, look, I, I want to echo what everyone is saying. Uh, I, I think that it's going to be an amazing game. I think it's going to be the most viewed game. I think. Uh, I think uh, from a marketing and media perspective, I think uh, companies are going to be thrilled with the performance and. Uh, I think the buzz tomorrow will not just be the final score and any bad calls that may have been made <laughs> as they were earlier as a Dallas fan. But uh, I think that uh, everyone's going to be uh, uh, talking about the ads. And uh, uh, I'm hoping that we're going to see one like we did with my favorite, which was the Star, War- Star Wars spot uh, several years ago with uh, Volkswagen. And, uh, and hopefully we'll see something as strong as that. So, And uh, again, for everyone... I just want to make one final point, which is in addition to kind of all the journalists were saying, I just want to give a tip of the hat to so many of the South Asians that are changing the landscape for sports from behind the camera, but also on the business side, uh, from the digital media perspective, uh, from the marketing perspective, and so forth. Uh, we're starting to see a real uh, rise of tides here. And we're going to see all of you together at uh, the Sama Conference and go to check out Sama Summit and samaconference.org to uh, learn about the plans for the future. Look back and then plan for the future. So volunteer with Raj and company as well. Thank you very much, Raj. Let's go to Vijay Setlor, who is our co-host on this, and uh, he is calling in from Canada where he claims there's better football. Uh, that's, that goes without saying, Shreve. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess my final thoughts would be uh, – 
I'm just curious to see if there's any if there's going to be any incident that defines the pop culture discussion uh, coming out of this game, just like we had uh, with the blackout in, in New Orleans uh, uh, with a recent Super Bowl. So uh, I'm, I'm going to monitor that very closely. And, and also uh, another thing that I'll be looking forward to uh, after this game going forward is uh, a recent ruling up here. Uh, by the Canadian Radio and Telecommunications Commission to allow for American commercials to be broadcast on Canadian networks during the Super Bowl. That's created a huge furor up here, especially among the uh, the networks that rely on ad revenue from Canadian companies. So with American brands being able to advertise up here uh, for no extra cost, uh, it's going to shut out a lot of Canadian brands and Canadian companies. So that's something that uh, we're going to be watching up here, and that's going to be making some big news uh, as that decision uh, comes into uh, into being in 2017, so uh, that's something from a Canadian perspective that we'll be looking at. But overall, just looking forward well, to a great a, that's game. A big, and I, by the way, that's a big. Sorry, I was going to say that's big news, and I can I, I'd love to chat with you later about what that means because uh, uh, it's it, it, it'll change the landscape in some way. No, absolutely, and uh, and that's uh, that's something to look forward to over the next little while. But uh, from a game standpoint, looking forward to a, a good one. I think Seattle is going to uh, really be buoyed by their fan support uh, and uh, that defense and, and prevail. All right, and uh, well, before we go to uh, Sharif, if you'll stick around for a minute, Sharif, I just wanted to play an audio clip from our friend Raj Matai, Saja member who is in California but is flight and can't be on the air with us uh, right now. And so he uh, sent us an audio clip of uh, what Super Bowl Day means to him. So just stand by and we're going to play this. Hey guys, Raj Mathai here. Sorry to miss this webcast, but here's my two cents on uh, this event that we call the Super Bowl. Uh, it means a lot to me. Gosh, in many different levels, many different layers. The first NFL game I ever attended, I actually went to, was the Super Bowl. 30 years ago, 1985, Stanford Stadium, 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. I actually biked to the game because I lived just a few miles from Stanford Stadium. Uh, and that really set forward events in my life that have been incredible regarding and surrounding this game. From being a fan, I then started working for the San Diego Chargers, and they're in the National Football League. And I worked for the Chargers for five years. And my final season with the Chargers, wouldn't you know, we make it to the Super Bowl, of course, we lose to the 49ers, but that's a different story. Uh, so really, as a fan, and then as a league employee, and as a Chargers employee, and then as a sportscaster for NBC following my NFL career, I have covered or attended or been an employee for seven Super Bowls, and I've loved each one. I just really loved it for so many reasons. I just love the fact that it's really a national holiday, and on so many different levels, you really connect so many people watching this game. So it's a lot of fun. Moving forward, though, it's, it's a little strange to me because I'm in a crossroads with my love for the game and my love for the league because of the issues with health, mental health and concussions. Uh, after the suicide of Junior Seau, who I was very close with, and just the, all the Hall of Fame players I deal with here in the Bay Area and I have friendships with, from Steve Young to Ronnie Lott to Jerry Rice and the list goes on, um, it's hard for me to digest and talk with them about the NFL moving forward. And I really think the NFL needs to be proactive and do a lot better job in addressing um, concussions and head injuries. Because the way I see it now, and this is not just me speaking, but a lot of these former players are saying, they're not going to allow their sons to play competitive football. 
And I don't want the NFL to turn into what some people might consider a ghetto league, where you're really drawing people. The way out of the ghetto is to is to play in the NFL. I want it to be like it's been for the last 50 or 60 years, where it's you have rich kids, you have middle income kids, and you have you know lower income kids playing the playing this game that we love to watch and play. So I, I, it's a challenge really for the NFL to move forward because obviously it's a multi billion dollar industry, and they need to be. You know, on the cutting edge, they don't want to end up uh, on the backside of this, on the wrong side of history. So that's my challenge and, and my hope for the NFL moving forward. As for who's going to win the game, it's kind of like asking, gosh, the Patriots or the Seahawks. It's kind of like asking which one of the Menendez brothers you're rooting for. But uh, I will go under duress, um, Seahawks in a close game, and might as well go with the over as well. Hope everyone has a good day. Enjoy the big game and uh, hope to connect with you all soon or just see you on TV if you're all out here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Take care. Folks, that was Raj, Raj Matai at R-A-J-M-A-T-H-I-A-I. And he is, as you heard, an anchor uh, on uh, the NBC station out in California. Uh, he's a weeknight news anchor and sports director emeritus for NBC Bay Area. And thank you very much to Raj, R-A-J-M-A-T-H-A-I. Sharif, how do you respond to that? And first of all, what Desi guy or gal has gone to seven Super Bowls? Not me. But I wanted to thank everyone for, for coming on. It's been a great discussion. Sri, thank you again for putting this together and for Sama and Saja, this is just a great opportunity for people to hear kind of behind the scenes of of the Super Bowl, but also just uh, about sports journalism in general and and the talk of discussions and the cultural sensitivities behind sports. Um, I was on the Esquire Network. I was watching the, um, the, the 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 series of the little kids playing football and how competitive and how crazy it is, and it's amazing how it's kind of brought down to that level. Um, as for today's game, I think. Come tomorrow, there'll be a lot of depressed people because we won't have football until August, September, and that's that's just a long drought, and it's very, very sad. So it's bittersweet the Super Bowl for me because <laughs> it's great to watch it, but then tomorrow it's like, oh god, we got no football. So um, as a West Coaster and a Pac-12 fan, I will be pushing for the Seattle Seahawks um, just purely for that reason. But I do hope. It is a close game. I hope it goes into overtime to make it exciting. And I'm sure tomorrow there will be a lot of water cooler talk in the newsroom about what happened, who did what, who didn't do that, who should get traded, who should get fired. And hopefully that will last till August. So thank you, Sue. <laughs> thank you, Aditi. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate all the insight. And thank you, and uh, thanks again. You yeah, thanks. Sharif is at Mojud on Twitter, uh, M O W. J-O-O-D, the newly re-elected president of Saja, and one of Brian Williams' favorite producers, I thought, until I just heard that he went to the Super Bowl without you, Sharif. Very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. And thank you to Vijay Setlur, who's at V-I-J-A-Y-S-E-T-L-U-R, professor of sports marketing and tourism marketing. Vijay, I'm very jealous. That's a, I can't believe that's work and that you get to teach that all day. What fun. And I hope you'll come down and check us out at the Metropolitan Museum of Art where I suddenly find myself in the tourism business. But thank you all for your support of Saja. It means the world to us. We're at Saja HQ, S-A-J-A-H-Q, and Saja at Columbia.edu. 
We've got lots of great programming up ahead. Thanks, everybody, today, and thank you to Blog Talk Radio. We've had 2 million people listen to our webcast over the years, and we're going to do more. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a Saja webcast. You can catch all our activities at saja.org and sajaforum.org. Our email is saja at columbia.edu. We'll leave you with the musical stylings of Cooper Madison of coopermadison.com. <laughs>